What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Between the Lines Sports Podcast. Today, I want to start out by apologizing. We just found out that we've had some technical difficulties with some of our previous podcasts where, uh, you know, Patrick will say something and then my response will be a little delayed, about five seconds or so. And then at the very end of my response, you'll hear Patrick talking again. So it's kind of overlapping and we're not really sure why that's happening but we've contacted the company that we use to record and so we're trying to get all that fixed and we think we've got it fixed for now so going forward we shouldn't have any problems like that but I just wanted to let you all know. Today we're going to be going over college football week five results and picks, college football week six picks and upcoming games and then a little bit about some postseason baseball happening. So last week, to get us started, the first game was actually a really good, entertaining game. Um, the first one was Florida at Texas A&M. Florida was favored by six and a half. We both picked Florida to win the game, so we were both wrong in that because Texas ended up winning. But I picked Texas A&M to cover six and a half. Blair picked Texas or Florida to cover six and a half. So I ended up hitting the spread, but we both missed the game straight up. Uh, what did you see in this game? Uh, it actually surprised me a lot. A&M has just been hit or miss, really, and I thought Florida has been pretty good all year. Uh, so the the end result kind of surprised me. Uh, it didn't really surprise me too much just because Florida's defense struggled so bad the first two weeks against Ole Miss and South Carolina, giving up about 600 or 570-something yards to Ole Miss week one, even though they did win by 16. And then last week against South Carolina – Sacramento was able to run the ball pretty effectively and move the ball well. I thought that Florida would win the game as as we both picked Florida, but I, like I said, I wouldn't have been surprised had Texas A&M kept it within a field goal, that kind of thing. I actually watched a lot of a lot of this game, and Florida had some chances to put them away. They got ahead by a couple scores to start the second half, but Texas A&M just kept battling their offense. Both teams obviously have a really strong offense, but both teams' defenses are uh, lacking for sure at this point in the year, but. Texas A&M mm-hmm. tied the game at 38. Um, there was about four minutes left, I believe. Florida was driving. Looked like they were going to get in field goal range or maybe even punch it in for a touchdown. And their running back, Pierce, I believe, fumbled the ball at midfield, got stripped. Texas A&M recovered, executed perfectly, ran the clock all the way down, got inside the 10-yard line and kicked a field goal in the last play of the game. So, obviously, it was a really good game, but I was obviously thrilled with the, the result. Um, love seeing Florida lose. <laughs> Just being, oh yeah, uh, for sure. Being honest about it, but yeah, it was a really, really good game. Um, but we, like I said, we both missed on that one. But I wasn't surprised just because Texas A&M, even though they had struggled a little bit the first two weeks, their offense—you knew—they had the weapons, and Florida's defense had been uh, suspect for sure. So, um, yeah, really a yeah. toss-up, and, and Texas A&M pulled it out. Um, the second game was this one was definitely a surprise. We had the LSU ended up being. They said it was still Missouri at LSU, but obviously they played in Columbia because of Hurricane Delta coming through. We both had LSU winning the game, and we both had LSU covering the 13-and-a-half. So right there, we both missed on that one. And I think the biggest takeaway that I have from this game was LSU's defense is uh, just, I mean, bad right now. I mean, gave up 45 points to Missouri, um, I believe over 500 yards of offense. Bazelak, the new quarterback from Missouri, who actually looks really good, Threw for four, over 400 yards. I think he only had five incompletions the whole game. And we knew LSU had lost a lot from last year, 17 or 22 starters. But it looks like even their depth's been affected. 
with some of the COVID opt-outs mm-hmm. and just dudes opting out. So I was really surprised at that game. Uh, what did you see from that one? Yeah, uh, that one surprised me a lot. Um, like you said, their defense just being uh, as as bad as they have been, for lack of a better word. Uh, you know, between Missouri and Mississippi State, they've given up over a thousand yards in the air, and that's you know probably three games is probably you know most time expected. Uh, give up a thousand yards, but two games that's a heck of a lot, and you know Missouri's definitely looking pretty good, but. I still thought LSU would still find a way. You know, they've got the talent down there, good coaching. Um, so it really surprised me that it was a, a loss for them and then they both scored that much. 45 points is a lot for, you know, a typical LSU team to give up unless they're playing Alabama or somebody. For sure. Just a couple more things about this one real quick. Missouri really dominated the game too. I believe LSU had 17 points off of turnovers. Missouri muffed at least two punts. I think they got one back, but they also fumbled on, like, the, their own five-yard line. So, Missouri statistically owned the game, and although the score was 45-41 and they had to have a huge um, four-play stop at the one-yard line to close out the game, which was huge. LSU cannot run the ball at all right now, so there's a lot of problems on offense and defense. But Missouri, really, they, they look strong. They're a lot further along right now than I thought they would be, and with Basilek running quarterback, I think they're going to be trouble for a lot of teams they play. So, I think they're improving. I think LSU, obviously, I mean, you expected a rebuild after what they had last year, but one and two, and what you were talking about with the 1,000 yards in the air, I mean, you can really throw out the Vandy game too. So, really, they've given up 1,000 yards against Mississippi State and Missouri, so giving up almost 500-something yards a game through the air. That's uh, They really haven't played any of the elite teams yet. That's It's got to be worrisome for them. But Missouri found a way to win, so good for Drinkwitz getting his first win there. Um, the, other, the last noon game in the SEC on Saturday was South Carolina at Vandy. Uh, we both picked South Carolina, and we both had them covering 13 and a half, so we both hit on that one. Uh, this one, there really wasn't much. It was rainy. The hurricane was coming through Nashville. South Carolina ran the ball really effectively, and Vanderbilt just looks to be uh, really far behind everyone else in the league this year, even more so than in the past. Um, I know they only had 56 players available for this game because of the COVID stuff, and now they've canceled. They've postponed their game this weekend with Missouri because they're even below that, but uh, not much stood out to me from this game. Um, I don't know. What, do, you, do you feel any differently about that? No, I mean, you know, the game was kind of what I expected it to be. Uh, I knew it was going to be a big running game given the weather and everything, but uh, I did think it was impressive for, you know, South Carolina's running back Kevin Harris to have almost 200 yards and about 20 carries. So that was, you know, it is Vanderbilt, but it's the SEC football. So, uh that's probably the thing that stuck out the most to me about that game. For sure. South Carolina, they got some weapons, so this week's game with Auburn should be interesting. All right, so we both hit mm-hmm. on that. All right, so the next game, we'll get to Tennessee and Georgia in a bit. The next game was Arkansas and Auburn at 4 o'clock. We had – Auburn was served by 13 and a half. We both picked Auburn to win, but we picked Arkansas to cover. This game was a pretty tight contest. Arkansas has made a lot of improvement, kind of like Missouri, both battling hard. Um, I think Auburn – is trying to replace a lot that they lost last year. But Arkansas gets ahead in the final five minutes or so. They get ahead 28-27. Auburn gets down in field goal range. They miss a go-ahead field goal. Arkansas gets the ball back, can't run the clock out. Auburn gets one last chance at it, and they get down within field goal range. And they have a situation where Bo Nix juggles the snap, turns around, and spikes it backwards. So this has been a controversy all week. He spiked it backwards. 
the refs went and reviewed it. They reviewed it for a while. They determined that it was a backwards pass, but because there was no clear and immediate recovery, whatever that means in quotation marks, that um, Auburn was was allowed to maintain possession of the ball. They end up kicking a field goal in the last play and winning the game 30-28. to 28. So Arkansas, to me, was robbed in this. They really deserved to win. They've really come a long way. Um, it also just shows the further incompetence of officials in the SEC and in and college football around the country, honestly, or college sports even on a grander mm-hmm. scale. But um, I'm just really impressed with Arkansas to this point, how much better they've shown to be uh, through three games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I think uh, Felipe Franks, I thought he was pretty decent at Florida. I didn't think he was anything to write home about. But, uh, you know, first Arkansas hasn't had – you know, probably a notable quarterback since probably Ryan Mallett uh, being over there. But, yeah, they definitely got robbed. Uh, I don't know how you can look at that and not see that it went backwards and that – I mean, even if they say it did go backwards and there wasn't a clear recovery, I, I don't know. It's just just fishy, you know. Fishiating is terrible as it is. but Yeah, it's a pretty big, pretty big miss on that wonder. one. Yeah. But – uh, like I said, continue to be impressed with Arkansas. We'll see in their game this week against Ole Miss. It should be a good one. But the next one, we had two night games in the league last week. The first one was Alabama at Ole Miss, and Alabama was favored by 23-and-a-half. So we both picked Bama to win. Pick, both picked Ole Miss to cover 23-and-a-half at home, which they did, so we were correct on both fronts. But this one was just really, I mean, really entertaining, honestly. Alabama, I think they got stopped twice the whole game, once um, – uh, when Najee Harris fumbled on the goal line and another time at the end of the game yeah. when they uh, the game was over and they were just running out the clock. So, um, Alabama went 63-48. But the, the bigger thing was just Ole Miss, their ability to move the ball. I think they really had Alabama on their heels. Alabama wasn't really prepared for what they tried to do. They were going almost like NASCAR up-tempo the entire game. Kiffin, obviously, is an offensive wizard, was – had some formations, was able to get tight ends open across the middle. And um, it was, I mean, it was a fun game to watch. I kind of figured the whole time that Ole Miss would maybe make a key turnover or not be able to match Alabama. And that's ended up, that ended up being what happened. Um, but it was a good game for sure. And and I think Ole Miss is, is headed in the right direction too. Now on defense, I don't know who they can stop. There was an interesting stat that I think there was a possible 700 and like around 767 or 770 total yards that Alabama could have ga- gained in the game, and they gained 723 of them. Yeah. So, like, of a possible 770, they only missed out on like 40 yards because Jeez. Ole Miss literally could not stop them. But yeah. um, it was an entertaining one for sure. Yeah, that's wild. It was uh, it was one of my favorite games to watch actually uh, from this week. It was you know back and forth to high scoring offenses. Um, you know, like I said, Alabama's, you know, two, three main guys on offense carry the way between Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and Waddle. Uh, like you said, Najee Harris had that fumble. Uh, no, I think that was the first one of his career, which is pretty insane. Uh, it's impressive. But yeah, like you said, Ole Miss, they can, they can score with just about anybody. I mean, if you can score with Alabama, uh, you can score with pretty much anybody. I think they could have won that game had they, uh, you know, made a, a stop or two. But like you said, it's just their defense is suspect. They'll have to find a way to stop somebody. Yeah, I've heard a lot of interesting takes on this game this week because I think Kiffin, when they made it 42-42, he tried to onside kick. 
And it was really close, honestly, but Alabama got yeah. it. And there was something funny. It's like if he knew they couldn't stop him or the game kept playing that way, he should have onside kicked every, every time. Because if he had stolen a possession, they maybe could have got up two scores or something like that. But obviously, that's just yeah. uh, social media talk and, and dumb stuff. But, I mean, it's something yeah. funny to think about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the last SEC game that wasn't Tennessee was Mississippi State at Kentucky. Kentucky was favored by two. We both picked Kentucky and for them to cover two at home, which they did. This game was kind of a weird game. You have Kentucky winning the game 24-2, to two, the lowest total on Michael Leach team's ever been held to. Kentucky, I mean, I would – they dominated the game, but not statistically. And not if you watch the game, it was a little more than that. I think Mississippi State ended up throwing six interceptions in the game. You had Kentucky trying to run the same uh, rush three, drop eight defense that Odom showed could be successful when Arkansas played them two weeks ago. Um, they had the six picks, four against Costello, and then I guess Leach got pissed at him, put in the new freshman, Will Rogers, who ran their air raid in high school, and he threw two picks too. So, And one of Kentucky's scores at the end yeah. there was a pick six to make it even a little more lopsided than it was. But Mississippi State was also able to shut down the Kentucky run game. I think Kentucky had a couple of big plays on offense, and that was pretty much it. I think they had 157 yards of total offense, I think, the whole game. So. It was a little deceiving. If you watched the game, you knew it was not as dominant as it looked. But either way, Kentucky bounced back and found a way to win. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. And like you said, Kentucky had uh, about 150, about 157 yards of offense and had 27 points. So that's pretty wild. And Mississippi State rushed for 20 total team yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, 24-2 is just – a weird score. It was a weird game. Uh, this was one of the ones that week was just kind of a coin flip. I took Kentucky strictly because they were at home. Um, but, I mean. Also, the funny thing is, yeah, the funny thing is get. Mississippi State didn't even really earn those two points. You had a, a punt snap over the punter's head from midfield. So, I think they lost 40 yards rushing on that play, and the guy just kicked it out of the back of the end zone and make it – at the time it was 14-2, to two, I believe. But, I mean – Mississippi State was able to control Kentucky's offensive line or offense with their their defensive line played pretty well. It's just this is a classic example of the team that makes the fewest mistakes will win in football. I think Mississippi State had, had the six picks. Kentucky turned it over one time, I believe, and that was on that was deep in Mississippi State's end of the field. So uh, props to Kentucky played a, a pretty solid game and just bent but didn't break and and found a way to win. So they got their first win of the year. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll try and run through these a little quicker than non-SEC games. We had a few more than usual last week. So the first one we had out of the SEC was Virginia Tech at North Carolina. We both had North Carolina winning and covering the five, which they ended up doing. I believe the final score was 56-45. to 45. I, Honestly, I did not watch much of this one just because of the three SEC games that were on at noon, but I kept up with it a little bit, was keeping track of the score. Yeah. North Carolina jumped out to a huge lead. Virginia Tech kind of closed the margin there, and then North Carolina pulled away again, and it was a little too much. So North Carolina continues to impress. I believe they're 3-0 now, and they got a big one this weekend at Florida State. Did you watch much of that one or just uh, keep up with it? No, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I was kind of flipping back and forth between the SEC games and stuff, but I was just watching the score on my phone. So um, that's kind of what I expected, though. I kind of expected a higher-scoring game, and, you know, we both picked North Carolina to cover the five. Uh, so I figured they would find a way to win, but uh, I mean, I didn't see any of it really. But you know, it was about what I expected on the scoreboard. Yeah, I think North Carolina is continuing to make improvement. Obviously, they've got a good quarterback in Sam Howell, and and Mac Brown's doing a good job there. So that was our first one. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one we had was the Texas versus Oklahoma game in the, in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Oklahoma was favored by two and a half, and we both picked Oklahoma to win and to cover two and a half. And this one got a little dicey. I was this was the one I was keeping paying the most attention to besides the SEC games at noon. Oklahoma kind of, I mean, they dominated for a good mar- a good bit of the game. They were had 31 to seventeen with five minutes left in the game, I believe, and they had the ball. And Texas ended up scoring a couple quick times at the end, scored a touchdown. Oklahoma got stopped. Texas got it and scored with like eight seconds left, I think, to tie it at 31. Then they go to overtime. They match each other's scores the first two. Texas gets their field goal blocked in the third overtime at 45 to 45, I believe. Oklahoma gets down inside the 10, kicks a chip shot field goal, and their really good kicker misses. So you go to a fourth overtime. Oklahoma scores, gets their two-point conversion, and then Texas threw a pick in the fourth overtime, I believe. But turned out to be a really entertaining game between two teams yeah. that were struggling to this point in the year. But now you've got Texas is two and two. Oklahoma is two and two, and both with two losses in the Big Twelve. So it could shape up to be a really interesting race with just as far as different teams getting to the Big Twelve championship game out of that league. Um, so this one was pretty entertaining. Did you see much of this mm-hmm. one? Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Um, you know, Big Twelve to me is just whoever can score the most and turn the ball over the least, uh, and I think that's you know, kind of how this season has. What, you don't think they play stellar defense? So. No, heck no. I mean, it's about as good as, you know, Vandy does on, a, on an average week. Well, to be fair, so, I think uh, there's a lot of suspect defense being played this year, and I don't know why that is, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma typically has a, a decent defense. Uh, they're one of the, the few Big 12 teams that do consistently. That is, uh, you know, after – you know, I think Oklahoma, Texas, and Iowa State are probably three top teams in the Big 12. But right now, I think it's anybody's game. For sure. All right, so I'm going to be 100% honest with you again. These next two kind of just threw in here because I thought there were some difficult picks. They were at noon as well, so I did not see much of these. I was watching the SEC games and that Oklahoma-Texas game. But the next one was mm-hmm. NC State at Virginia. Virginia was favored by eight. We both picked NC State to win the game straight up and to cover the eight, and they did. They won the game 38-21. to 21. So, NC State's continuing to make improvement. Now they're 3-1 and one after the uh, second week loss to Virginia Tech. So, we're just running through that one quickly. Did you see any of that? Or Yeah. No, I didn't see any. But, I, you know, I've seen NC State play this year and Virginia play this year, and I thought NC State was the better team. So, uh for sure. Turned out to be that way. The next one was Duke at Syracuse. We both missed this one. We picked Syracuse to win. Duke was favored by two, so we missed that one completely. Um, this mm-hmm. one I watched a tiny bit of. You have Duke. I believe Duke fumbled four times and still ended up winning the game by two touchdowns. So Syracuse obviously has a ways to go trying to rebuild. Yeah. Um, but two of the lower yep. programs in the conference this sure year do. for sure. But um, yeah. Just. Hard to believe that you can win a game on the road in that in the D one football with four turnovers and four fumbles at that, but they found a way to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Then that you had the Texas Tech at Iowa State game at three thirty. Um, believe we both picked Iowa State to win, but we both had Texas Tech covering the twelve and a half, so we missed that one. I believe I'm looking this one up because I don't have it on the top of my. Yeah, Iowa State won 31-15. So, it kind of ended up being close there. I knew that they were up 
big in the second half. I believe it was 31 to seven. And then I guess Texas Tech added on a touchdown late. But Iowa State playing well, especially after that mm-hmm. opening week loss to Lafayette. They're three and zero in the Big 12 now. So, and they've already beaten Oklahoma. So they've got a pretty good shot, or at least a uh, chance to to get to that Big 12 championship game. Two game lead on both Texas and Oklahoma right now. Obviously, a long way to go, but it would be good to see some new blood mm-hmm. in that game for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Running through. So now you have uh, – we had the Pitt at Boston College game. Pitt was favored by six. We both picked Pitt to win and cover the six. I believe we were both feeling the same way about the them having a bad taste in their mouth, losing that NC State game at home. But turns out Boston College uh, played a pretty strong game. I believe Pitt even had to kick a like a 58-yard field goal on the last play of regulation to send this to overtime at 24. Boston College yeah. Boston College scores first, gets their extra point. Pittsburgh then scores and misses the extra point. The same kicker that made a 58-yarder to send it overtime. This is an extra point to lose the game. So just college kickers there. But um, really, really impressed with what Boston College has done so far. I mean, they took North Carolina to the brink two weeks ago. Now they have played – they uh, played well and beat Pitt at home. So it looks like they're a little ahead of schedule too, maybe. Or maybe just uh, Pitt isn't as far along as we thought. Uh, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I thought it was a good game. Uh, you know, after Boston College scored in overtime and then Pitt scored, you know, I thought it was going to be another game similar to Texas and Oklahoma. I thought it was going to go to a couple overtimes. But like you said, it's just crazy how dude makes a 58-yarder with a game on the line to take it to overtime and then misses an extra point. Uh, just wild. I don't know. It's just football has been weird this year. Defense has been suspect. Teams have been inconsistent. It's just, I don't know. I think Pitt is good. I think Boston College is both, is good as well, but I don't know. It's just a weird game. I definitely thought Pitt so was going to win. So, in essence, just cover. college football from week to week. All right, so the next game we had from uh, this past week was Kansas State at TCU. We both picked TCU to win the game. Uh, we differed on the spread. I picked Kansas State to keep it within eight and a half, and Blair picked TCU to cover the eight and a half. Kansas State actually ended up winning the game outright, 21-14. to 14. Wasn't really shocked with the outcome of this game. Kansas State is now 3-0 in the Big 12, and they've played pretty well after that opening week loss to Arkansas State. TCU's been a little inconsistent on defense and on offense, and really this game just turned into a grinded-out fest, and Kansas State ended up pulling it out. So, wasn't really surprised with the result in that one. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good game overall. I did think. TCU would win the game for sure, and I had them covering. So, it's kind of a surprise, but I guess Kansas State is a little bit better than everybody thought. For sure, yeah. Big 12, uh, we've got Kansas State and Iowa State at the front at 3-0 and right now. So, it would be fun to see uh, a new matchup in the Big 12 championship for sure. Yeah, I'm tired of seeing Oklahoma and Texas, to be honest with you. So, I'm right there with you. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, let's see. So, then we had Miami at Clemson. Uh, Clemson was favored by 14. We both picked Clemson to win and to cover the 14, and they uh, they dominated pretty much throughout this game. They won 42-17. to 17. was never really close. There was a moment to end of the first half where Clemson tried to kick a really long field goal. Miami blocked it, ran it back for a touchdown to make it 21-10 to 10 at the half, but Clemson pulled away again in the second half and really just proved that they're the class of the ACC and probably one of the top two or three teams in the country. Miami, I still think they're pretty solid, but obviously not ready to challenge Clemson at this point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I thought this was the first test on uh, Clemson's schedule. 
to see about how good they were, and that goes the same for Miami. Um, I think Miami gave them, you know, a pretty decent game, you know, even with the the score outcome, but uh, it definitely proves that, like you said, Clemson is definitely top-notch in the ACC, top three in the country, and Miami is still uh, not ready to take on that yet. All right, and the – uh, last game before the Tennessee game was the Florida State <clears throat> Florida State and Notre Dame game. We both picked Notre Dame to win, which <laughs> happened, but we also picked them to cover the 21 mm-hmm. at home, which did not happen. Florida State actually impressed me a little bit in this game. Their offense looked like uh, they figured a few things out. They were to move, able to move the ball a little bit, putting up 26 points on Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame comfortably controlled the ball in, in the game in the second half, but still – I was a little impressed and surprised that Florida State put up the fight they did and moved the ball as well as they did after the struggle so far. So, um, yeah, I was just surprised Notre Dame didn't cover that at home. Yeah, uh, I think Notre Dame is definitely the better team, and I think they are 21 points better. I think Florida State probably played their best game of the year so far. Uh, they've struggled with everybody they've played. Um, you know, you and I were talking besides that game they had. Who did they play a couple weeks ago? That was uh, – non-ACC, Jacksonville, Jacksonville State. State. That that might be their only win this year. But uh, this one kind of gave them some life. Looks like they're starting to figure some things out. So hopefully they can get back on track and, you know, make it more competitive going down the line. For sure. Okay, so the last game last week uh, was the Tennessee at Georgia game. So I picked Georgia to win. Obviously, I didn't want that to happen, but it did. You picked Tennessee to win, and then we both – pick Tennessee to keep it within 12 and a half, which was looking good for a while. But then as the game wore on, Georgia just wore us down. I mean, to start the game, you have Tennessee with the huge, get the huge play of the snap over Stetson Bennett's head. Tennessee recovers in the end zone, gets up seven to nothing. Then kind of back and forth a little bit. Georgia scores two touchdowns, gets ahead 14-7. One of the bigger plays of the first half, they had the ball in their own 35 on a fourth and probably half a yard. Tennessee was able to stop them. The next play, they threw a deep touchdown pass. One play, drive, Garantano to Palmer, tied it up. Georgia goes down, kicks a field goal. Tennessee probably then sustains their best drive of the day, aided with a penalty, but they went uh, 68 yards, I believe. Another long touchdown pass to Palmer from Garantano, and they are ahead 21-17. Georgia, right before the half, uh, opts to go for a third and one and fourth and one from the goal rather than kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Tennessee stuffs them both times. So going to the half, pretty confident, feeling pretty optimistic about what can happen, or at least this can be a one-score game the rest of the way. Come out second half, Tennessee gets the ball, drops back, sacks, <clears throat> fumble, Georgia recovers. Uh, really, that was the theme of the second half. I think Georgia went into halftime knowing that if they sat back there, didn't bring some pressure and let Garantano sit back there. He was going to be able to beat them down the field. It might open up the running game a little more for Tennessee. So they made a great adjustment at halftime. And really just throughout the second half, you had Georgia kind of showing that their depth and showing um, how strong their defense was. So the takeaway that I had from this game was just, I think Georgia has the best defense in the country. Um, a lot of good weapons, a lot of, a lot of strong players on that side of the ball and, and their depth showed through. So, I think Tennessee is getting closer to being able to compete for a full 60 minutes with Georgia, which they almost did today. But Georgia is just really, especially on defense, the class of the league this year, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I think Tennessee played a really good first half. Um, you know, I think they were right there neck and neck with Georgia, and, you know, it was very promising. You know, seeing them having the lead at halftime was 
already a, a step ahead of what I thought. I thought we would be trailing, but then find a way to win in the second half. But, uh, you know, we came out in the second half and Georgia stepped up their defense. They started putting pressure on Garantano and that definitely changed a lot of things. Uh, the main thing I took away from this was uh, the inconsistency of our offensive line. Um, you know, Garantano was pretty much pressured the entire second half. I think we had negative yards rushing uh, as a total team throughout the game. Um, you know, Garantano had the one interception that he threw off his bad foot. And really, other than that, that was a bad decision. Uh, other than that, I thought he played a really good game. And, you know, we have friends, people on social media calling for his head because he had three fumbles and lost two of them. And then he had the interception. So he had three turnovers all in all. But, I mean, the interception, I pinned on him because I think it was a bad decision. He threw it off his back foot. But the fumbles, like, he was barely back there a second or two before he's getting hit or having to move out the pocket. And that just can't happen if you're going to win football games, especially against good football teams. So uh, I pinned that on our offensive line and our uh, running backs for picking up blitzes and stuff and pressure. But, um, you know, Georgia definitely proved that they're very elite. I think their defense is the best in the country. And they're definitely a top two, top three team in the country. Uh, I think they're going to give Alabama fits this weekend. Um, but it should be a good game. But definitely proved Georgia is elite. Tennessee is not quite there, but they showed a lot of things that are very encouraging, and I think they're heading in the right direction. For sure. Just a couple more things on that. Like you said, offensive line has to be more consistent, especially with all the highly touted guys and the experience they have. they got to play better than that. Also – Tennessee's defense really showed some good signs. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, Georgia has a lot of weapons. Their offensive line's strong, too. So they're going to score and they're going to get there sometimes. But especially the, with the two fourth down stops in the first half. And then to start the second half, we talked about Tennessee gets the ball. They fumble inside their own 20. The defense forces a three and out. Georgia has to kick a field goal. So we still had the lead after that. Then the next possession is when Garantano threw the, the bad interception. Georgia gets the ball on R30 force another three and out. I think they actually lost a couple yards on that drive and had yeah. to kick a 50-yard field goal. Then, after that, Tennessee goes three and out again, punts punch Georgia deep, defense gets another three and out. <clears throat> so, the first three drives of the second half, defense stood up. They had nine plays, didn't pick up a first down. But I think the biggest – one of the bigger plays in the game came after that three and out when it was 23-21 to 21 because Georgia's punter, who's a pretty good punter, two, hit a 64-yarder in the air, flipped the field position, and that really just – is just really kind of almost backbreaking after you stop him inside there on 20 and then he flips the field like that. Yeah. Um, but even so, Georgia, they had uh, sustained long drives. The defense did a good job of just bending but not breaking, even though they did kind of wear down in the second half. I think Georgia only had two <clears throat> plates of over 20 yards in the entire game. So there's a lot of positive signs, but it's just really hard to see at that with the statistics and the time possession because the offense wasn't able to sustain drives and let the defense rest like it needed to. So I think yeah. defense is really coming along. Just it's hard to see it in the stats, but if you watch the game, you could definitely see that. Yeah, and it's I think our defense played really well, especially the first half. But I mean, it doesn't matter if you Georgia's defense, for instance, if their offense is not doing crap, they're going to get tired, they're going to get wore down throughout there the entire game, entire half, whatever the case may be. Uh, ours was the entire second half, it seemed, because uh, we couldn't get anything rolling on offense. It's really hard to you know, keep up with the other team's offense and, you know, keep making the stops. So, eventually they're going to score and stuff. So, that was a big part of it. Uh, 
Georgia did very well at that. For sure. Okay, so that's the end of week six recap. So after – I think this is our third week of picking after that. Um, straight up, Blair is 28 and 14. I'm 29 and 13. And against the spread, Blair is 19, 22 and 1. And I'm 25, 16 and 1. So that's where we stand going into week seven. So week seven, to start the SEC slate, we have what I think is going to be a really fun game at noon. Auburn is at South Carolina. And the number I had was Auburn is favored by three and a half. So going into this game, I really. I could this could I could look bad, but I think South Carolina. I really like South Carolina in this game. I think that their offense is pretty strong with the additions of Bobo, like we talked about earlier. Bobo and um, their quarterback Colin Hill. He's not going to make the spectacular plays. He's not going to be crazy anything like that. But he's going to make the right decisions. He's going to make the right reads. Fifth year senior has been in Bobo's system. I just really like the way he's playing. You look at Auburn. They're struggling a little bit. Yeah, they found a way to win against Arkansas last week. You can almost call that a miracle with the blown call. They beat Kentucky at home. We see that Kentucky is kind of so-so, and then they got hammered by Georgia, weren't able to do anything. South Carolina, on the other hand, has played Tennessee to start, uh, lost a close competitive game at home, was very competitive at Florida, and then dominated Vanderbilt. Uh, This game at noon, it just sets up, I really think this is a game that South Carolina wants to win. The players, this would be big for Muschamp if they could find a way. I just really like South Carolina to win this game at home and obviously to cover that three and a half. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, Auburn really hasn't showed too much to impress me. I don't think Kentucky is a great team, but being the fact that they just got ran through by Georgia, they couldn't get anything going offensively. Uh, And I think South Carolina is a lot better than their record reflects. I mean, they played Tennessee week one, and that was a close competitive game that really could have gone either way. Uh, Then they played Florida pretty tight, and I think Florida is a very good football team. And then they just demolished Bandy. So, uh, I like South Carolina at home and to cover the three. All right, so we agree on that one. The next one we have is Ole Miss favored by a point and a half at Arkansas. And this one really, I just flipped a coin and it landed on Arkansas. I think they're pretty even. I think Arkansas's defense is a little better than Ole Miss's. I think Ole Miss's offense is probably a little better than Arkansas's, maybe a lot better. But the game being at Arkansas, Arkansas kind of playing with some confidence now. They've played well the last couple of weeks for sure. Um, I just really like Arkansas at home in this game. I think Barry Odom will find a way to dial up some kind of zone, some kind of coverage that's going to give Corral some problems. Again, it could be high scoring, and it really could come down to one stop, and I just like Arkansas to get that stop better than Ole Miss. So I'm going to take Arkansas at home and, to win straight up and obviously cover the one and a half. Yeah, I differ a little bit. I also flipped a coin on this one, and uh, I got Ole Miss. Um, I do like the fact that Kiffin's offense is, you know, his – schemes and plays and all that are very elite so I think at the end of the day he'll find a way uh, to put more points on the board and so therefore I think they'll cover the the one and a half and win all right next one we have is Texas A&M is favored by four and a half at Mississippi State Um, I really like A&M in this game I know that their defense hasn't really looked good all year and Mississippi State can definitely move the ball when they're clicking but they haven't been the last couple weeks I think they're uh, kind of spinning their wheels they don't know who's going to play quarterback they've turned the ball over a lot A&M's offense is pretty strong as we saw it kind of got going against Florida last week they moved the ball pretty well against Alabama even though they got blown out I just I think A&M's the better team um, I think they're going to win. I wouldn't be surprised if Mississippi State won this game by two touchdowns. It's just the way it's going to go this year, I feel like, in college football. But 
looking at this, looking at the two teams, what they've done the last few weeks and where they're at, I like A&M to win, and I like them to cover the four and a half, probably win the game by a touchdown, maybe 10 points at Mississippi State. Yeah, I think both of these teams have had just streaky play throughout the season. Uh, they're both kind of hit or miss. But I think Texas A&M is playing the better football right now, and I can definitely see them winning by about two scores, uh, even though it's at Mississippi State. But I'll take it, Texas A&M to cover the four and a half and win. All right. So we got – we only have five SEC games this week because LSU at Florida was postponed and Vandy at Missouri was postponed to December 12th because of virus outbreaks on the team. So we'll save the Georgia-Alabama and Kentucky-Tennessee game until the end. So we'll run through some non-SEC games real quick. The first one I've got down here is Pittsburgh at Miami. This is a noon game, and Miami's favored by 13-and-a-half. Uh, I really like Miami to win the game, but I think this is going to be really competitive. I think Pitt's going to keep it within 13 and a half. They've kind of had some bad showings the last couple weeks against NC State and Boston College, even though they've lost both games. They've really been competitive. I think they lost one by four and one by one. So um, that's just conference play. And then Miami maybe being hung over, maybe being a little down still about the game last week and getting blown out at Clemson. Obviously, that was a big game for them. This is just an old rivalry back to the Big East days. Um, I just really see this game being competitive, and I think Miami is the better team and will pull away in the second half, maybe by 10, maybe score on the last drive to win the game. I just see it being really competitive in Narduzzi uh, for Pitt, just drawing up something or coming up with a defensive scheme to keep Derek King in the pocket and make, make him beat you with his arm, which I don't think he is as well-versed at doing as moving around and, and using his legs. So I like Miami to win, but I like Pitt to keep it within 13 and a half. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I think Miami will win, but um, I do have Pitt covering 13 and a half. Pitt's record isn't really reflect reflective of how good they are, but then again, you could say, you know, they're not as good. They're worse than the record shows because I think any of their games they've played could have gone either way. Like you said, the, the two they've lost were within five points, so they could very well be undefeated. But they could very well be, you know, one game or one win or no wins. It just – you know, it depends. They've played every game competitively. Uh, all of them have been close. I think this will be close, uh, closer than the 14. So, I think Miami will win, but I think Pitt will cover the 14 points. All right. Next one is Clemson at Georgia Tech. Clemson's favored by 27. Obviously, I think Clemson's the better team. I think they're going to win the game pretty easily. I don't see them covering the 27, though, just the way they've played so far to this point. Um, and the way that they've strategically done things when they've played these lesser teams on the road, especially looking at Wake Forest game early on in the year, they have um, pulled their starters pretty early on in the second half, let some backups get some work. And Georgia Tech has some weapons and some some pretty good offensive players to where they can put up some points on Georgia's, uh, or on Clemson's second and third teamers, I believe. So I think Clemson get jumps out early, and they might be ahead by 28 or 35 early in second half, but I think Clemson's going to attack on a couple garbage scores. I mean, Georgia Tech's going to attack on a couple garbage scores and keep this within 27. So I like Clemson to win pretty easily, but Georgia Tech to cover 27. Yeah, I think I've learned my lesson about picking teams to cover uh, four touchdowns. Uh, but I do think Clemson is definitely the better team. I think they're four touchdowns better. But like you said, uh, you know, Georgia Tech can get some garbage time score or you know Clemson could have their – second string, third string in at some point, and Georgia Tech can take advantage of that. So I think Clemson will win the game, but I think Georgia Tech will cover the 27 points. All right. Next one is Louisville at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is favored by 17. I like Notre Dame to cover the 17 here. I think their offense is really explosive. 
I don't think their defense is that good, but Louisville's kind of spinning their wheels. They've really struggled except for the first game of the year where they beat Western Kentucky. Um, they've been giving up a lot of points, a lot of yards, and Notre Dame is not a good place to go to try to fix that. I really like Notre Dame to, to uh, have a strong showing at home and win this game by at least 17. Yeah, Notre Dame's playing good football. Uh, Louisville's defense is in shambles, and like you said, Notre Dame is not the place to go to try and fix your defensive uh, problems and stuff like that. So I think Notre Dame will win, and I think they'll cover the 17 as well. All right. Next one I have is UCF at Memphis. UCF is favored by three. This one could be a fun game. Memphis has kind of had a weird season with the first game, playing on the first Saturday and then shutting down for a month and then playing SMU and, and getting beat. UCF has is 2-1. and one. They've beaten Georgia Tech on the road, beaten East Carolina on the road, and lost their only game at home against Tulsa, who also has looked pretty strong this year. I just I really like UCF to win. I think they have more experience. I think they just have more consistency with their season so far. Their offense is really hard to defend because they go so fast. And they just have really strong receivers on the outside that are big but also fast. And Dylan Gabriel is a pretty good quarterback. I just think that UCF is the better team and has, has had more opportunity to fix things to this point in the year. And I like them to win the game at Memphis and to cover three points. Yeah, this is one of those games that uh, I think can go either way. Um Honestly, I would I would have picked whoever had the home field advantage because I think that'll be a major key in this one. So being that Memphis is at home, I'm going to take them to win and to cover the three and a half. All right. Uh, let's see. Now we have this is ABC 7:30 game on Saturday night. North Carolina at Florida State. North Carolina has hopped up in the top five. They're favored by 13 and a half. This has always seems to have a weird outcome or some kind of weird play when these two get together. Though I think the last time they played was 2016. And North Carolina kicked like a 50-yard field goal on the last play of the game to win. It just seems that there's always crazy circumstances around this game. And for that reason, I think that it's going to stay within two touchdowns. I like North Carolina to win the game. I think they're the better team. But with the improvement Florida State showed on offense, kind of maybe making a last stand here. If they lose this game, they're going to be one and four. It's going to be really tough to get their season back towards 500. I think they're going to come out and have a strong showing. I think they'll move the ball a little bit. I think North Carolina will probably wear them down and pull away in the, late in the second half, probably win the game by – 7-10, maybe even 13 points, but I just I see Florida State keeping it within 13 and a half, but North Carolina winning the game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, they always seem to play each other close. Um, you know, I could be completely wrong because I'm basing this really off of, you know, previous years and being that Florida State played pretty decent this past week, uh, I think that North Carolina will win and I think Florida State will cover, but it would not surprise me one bit if UNC just went out there and blew them out of the water. But uh, what I'm thinking is kind of what you said. I think UNC could very well win uh, by 10, 13 points, but I think Florida State will cover that. But I'm sure they'll make me look like an idiot. Well, never know. This is a crapshoot anyway. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Now we have Boston College at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's favored by 12. Uh, Boston College looks like they're maybe a little further along than – Previously thought this year they had the strong showing at home against North Carolina. They have won on the road at Duke. They have won at home against Pitt. They're three and one to this point. I just uh, I just think Virginia Tech is a pretty strong team offensively for sure and is going to be able to put up some points at home. I don't know if Boston College will be able to match them. I think Virginia Tech will win this game at home by twelve. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I don't think uh, Boston College will be able to score with Virginia Tech. Uh, at the end of the day, I think Virginia Tech has the better 
offense and better team. So I think they'll be able to outscore them, and I think they'll be able to cover the 12 points at home. All right. And the last game this week, kind of a bare slate compared to the last few before we get to the SEC, to two SEC games, is Kansas at West Virginia. West Virginia is favored by 22 and a half. Um, I like West Virginia to win this game and to cover the 22 and a half if they're at home. Kansas has really played pretty poorly this year to this point. They got beat pretty good at home by Coastal Carolina. They've gotten blown out by Baylor and Oklahoma State, and they just haven't looked very good at all. West Virginia looks pretty strong, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're undefeated. Oh, no, they've lost mm-hmm. to Oklahoma State, too, so they're 2-1. Yeah. But um, they've played well. Their offense looks strong. Defense is pretty good, too. I just think uh, they're going to outclass and overmatch Kansas in this game, and I like West Virginia to win and cover 22-and-a-half. Yeah, I think West Virginia is a very good football team. I think Kansas is just very, very bad. Uh, you know, they've gotten blown out twice and then lost to Coastal Carolina, who's a team that probably should beat, you know, normally. Uh, so I like West Virginia at home. I think they'll cover the 22 and a half. Yeah, I think Kansas uh, needs to never schedule Coastal Carolina again. This is the second year in a row that Coastal Carolina has beaten them at Kansas. Yeah, Last year was like sure. a 12-7 to 7 game. This year was like – 38 to 23 or something like that and I think Kansas scored a couple of garbage scores in the and then at the end of the game so they need to stop scheduling the Santa Clears. Yeah, they need to find a better tune-up game like UTC or something. Well, it'd probably be competitive right now too, honestly. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to get into the two probably most anticipated matchups for the week for us at least. Um the first one has obviously been talked about, it's been Advertised a lot. This is the 8 p.m. CBS game this year, the one they chose for their primetime slot. We've got Georgia, number three, at Alabama, number two. Alabama's favored by four. That's actually dropped a couple points since Nick Saban got – or he tested positive for corona, I believe, on Wednesday. And so the line dropped from six, six and a half in some places to four. Um, I think that this is a really interesting game. Not only is it two brand teams, two big-name teams, but – you have Georgia with this really strong, stout defense. Obviously, this is the best offense they're going to have gone up against this year without question. But Alabama's kind of gotten away from their traditional ways of moving the ball. They've moved the last couple of years from running the ball, pounding it at you nonstop, to now they're kind of not an air raid, but they, they spread the ball in the air a lot. They move the ball down the field. Obviously, with the receivers they've had, that's a good weapon to do or a good weapon to use. Lost Judy and Ruggs to the draft last year, but now they have Waddle. They have Devontae Smith, and now they have a new receiver emerging too. I think his name's. I don't know if his first name is John, but I know his last name is like Mechie. He's really yeah. good, too. Yeah. They've been sticking him in the slot, moving him down the field. <clears throat> their offense is really high-powered. So this could be a really great matchup because Georgia's strength is their defense. Alabama's strength this year is their offense. I think it's going to be a really fun game. I just – I can't see – even though I think that Georgia's the better team all around, obviously their defense, like we said, I think is the best defense in the country. Even though I think they're the best team – I think they're a better team than Alabama. I just can't pick them to win at Bama just because of the history, just because of the way the recent games have gone. Obviously, this game has nothing to do with the recent games, but I just I see Alabama finding a way to win this game. I, find, I see them outscoring Georgia if that's what it takes, or maybe even score outscoring them by a couple of scores in the second half, just because I think that Ole Miss, the problems that they gave Alabama, Georgia isn't going to be able to do that on the offensive side of the ball because they're not as creative. They're not going to run the up-tempo and the, the riverboat gambling stuff that Lane Kiffin did and the reason that Alabama had such a difficult time defending them. I think Georgia's going to more line up, try to mash them in the box, run the ball at them, 
and then live off the play-action pass. And I think that they'll find some success. I think they'll put up some points. I just can't see them being as successful as Ole Miss was. And I think for that reason, the night game, Alabama wanting to win this game and make a statement, I think that they're going to win this game and cover by four, cover the four. I think that it'll be really competitive, and Alabama might score a touchdown or kick a field goal to maybe make it a six or, or nine or ten-point lead late in the game to cover that and make sure that they cover it. But I just I think that Alabama's going to win this game at home just solely based off of their offense is so strong that I have a hard time believing, even though Georgia's defense is really good, they're going to be able to match Alabama points-wise. Yeah, I agree with you for the most part. Uh, I, too, also think Georgia is the uh, the better team on paper. And I think they both had really good, uh, you know, kind of tune-up and testing games this past week, Georgia against us and Alabama against Ole Miss. Um, you know, Alabama's got the stronger offense. Georgia has a stronger defense. But kind of the same scenario with the Georgia-Tennessee game. If you rely on your defense the entire game or entire half, they're going to get worn down you know, somebody's going to – they're going to get taken advantage of, and Alabama will eventually find a way to score. Um, so, I, I, I think I'll take Alabama to win at home. I just don't see them losing at home. Uh, you know, it's not very often that they do lose at home or lose in general for that matter. Um, but I do think it will be a very close game. Uh, I think Georgia's defense will give them some problems early, uh, you know, maybe get a turnover to help – with their game, and I think they'll go at them hard with the run game. So I think it'll be a very close, competitive game. So I think Alabama will win, but I do think Georgia will cover the four points. It's going to be very close. All right. Uh, let's see. So then we have the last game this week is ours, the Kentucky at Tennessee game. Tennessee favored by six. I like Tennessee to win this game, and I like them to cover the six. I think that Kentucky has really improved their talent. They, they're no slouch like they used to be when I was growing up. Every time it was kind of name your score, 56-20, 59-21 is basically when are we going to pull the starters. It is not that way anymore. Kentucky has really strong on both lines of scrimmage. They can really run the ball. And uh, I, think, I think this game will be competitive, especially maybe even for three quarters. I just think Tennessee will find a way – to bounce back, be able to move the ball, run the ball. I think the offensive line is going to come out with something to prove this week. I think our defense is strong enough to stack the box and cover their receivers one-on-one and make them throw the ball. I just think that this with the history, just with the, the, the bounce back effect in this game and the way that Tennessee has played to this point, other than the second half against Georgia, I think Tennessee is the better team. And I think that Tennessee ends up winning this game and covering at home. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I think we're definitely the better team. I like us at home. And uh, I think our defense will go out there. And I think that they're going to continue to – but I think we're going to load the box and try to make them throw the ball. And that is their uh, their weak point in their offense. If you make them throw the ball a lot, um, you know, they're going to make mistakes. They might turn the ball over, but they're not going to be able to move the ball as successfully. They kind of rely on their run game and their offensive line to produce the yardage and the points. Um if you look at their game from last week, their offense didn't really play that well. Their defense did the majority of the work. I think they had like 150 yards total of offense. Um, so yeah, definitely like us at home. I think our offensive line will our offensive line will come out trying to prove something. Uh, you know, based on the second half of last week. Uh, so hopefully they come out strong and you know prove that they're an elite offensive line. They got a lot of talent, a lot of veteran guys out there and hopefully we can run the ball a lot more uh, successfully this week and uh, find a way to win. I think we'll definitely win by uh, 
I can see us winning, honestly, by like 14, 17 points. I think we're definitely that many points better than them, but it just depends if uh, our defense plays the way they've been playing and if our our offensive line shows up. Yeah, I agree. Just like you said, uh, hitting on a couple of things last week. I mean, the score in that game, like we talked about, was deceiving. But Kentucky, they didn't move the ball at all. They only had 157 total yards. Mississippi State's front seven was able to neutralize them running the ball pretty much the entire game. And I think Tennessee, with the experience and the numbers on that side of the ball, is as good or maybe a little bit better than Mississippi State's front seven. And I just think that we'll be able, and especially if Tennessee's able to score early or get up a score or two, quickly really take Kentucky out of their game and make them throw the ball. If you move Wilson off his spot or, or put anything in his face, he really struggles to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. I just think um, I just think they're going to have a hard time moving the ball through the air. I mean, they're going to they're gonna have some runs. They're going to move the little ball a little bit. They just they have a strong offensive line and some good backs. I just think that Tennessee will be able to contain them enough to frustrate them to where they try to th- start throwing the ball a little. And if that's the case, I really see Tennessee um, – having some success and winning this game pretty easily in the second half. Now, again, I, they're no slouch. I think this could be a real competitive game for a long time. And um, I, I just think that Tennessee in the end is going to find a way to win. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I think Georgia's defense is very elite. And, uh, you know, they were a big reason why they were able to pull away in that second half against us. But if our offensive line can get together and our running backs can pick up pressure and, you know, give Garantano the time, we probably don't have – at least two of those three turnovers. Uh, I don't think we have those two fumbles. Uh, if he has the time, the, the interception, maybe. Uh, you know, he was kind of forced out of the pocket and had to throw off his back foot. So it was a bad decision on his part. But, you know, if we can clean that stuff up, that'll definitely help us in the long run, especially against better teams. Uh, but, yeah, I think we'll find we'll find a way to win. I think we'll play a lot better this week. For sure. So both Tennessee winning and covering the six. Yeah. All right, so you want to get into baseball now? Yeah, so that's it for uh, week seven in college football. Uh, we got postseason baseball happening right now. Uh, Houston Astros and Tampa Bay Rays uh, played again last night, and the Astros hit a walk-off home run to take it to uh, a 3-2 series and take it to game six tonight. Uh, what have you seen in that series or you know any games in particular? Well, you have – a star emerging for the Rays, at least in the playoffs. You have Randy Arozarena um, has hit, I think, a home run in three of the five games in this series. He hit some home runs in the first in the Yankees series, too. Um, mm-hmm. Just Yank- Rays jumped out of the huge lead 3-0, obviously, and there's only been one team ever to come back from that 3-0 deficit in the uh, AL Championship Series and in any championship series in the, in the Major League Baseball playoffs. So Rays are still fighting against history right now, even though they've won the last two. It's going to be tough to win those four in a row, but they have the the experience, they have the mindset to do it. They have they're trying to prove everybody that they can do it without the uh, without the banging the trash cans and the cheating. So I mean, they've already been successful at that to this point because they're one of the last two teams standing. But I think that the Rays are going to end this end up closing this out ultimately just because of the three zero lead they got up. I think it's going to be really hard for the Astros to pull off four in a row. I wouldn't be surprised if they went to it four yeah. seven. I just think that the Rays have the their uh, tonight and tomorrow they're going to have their their top pitchers back. Um, it's going to be low scoring competitive games. It's going to be you know who makes the right move in the bullpen, who doesn't make a defensive mistake. And I just I think the Rays will end up closing the series out. Like I said, wouldn't be surprised if it goes Game Seven. But I just I like the Rays to win the series in the end. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, like you said, whenever you get up 
3-0. It's only been done once that you lose four straight. Uh, I think that's going to be very hard to do being, you know, this is top two teams in that division or in that league. So it's going to be very tough to do that. I think the Rays will find a way being that they're getting their pitching back. Uh, I think they'll find a way. I think they'll find a way tonight, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went seven, but I, I do think they'll close it out tonight and, uh, you know, move on to the world series. Um, but as far as the Braves and Dodgers go, um, you know, Braves won the first game five to one and then won the second game. They had a comfortable seven zero lead, uh, in the seventh. And then, um, I think we got a little too comfortable and the Dodgers bats got going, uh, those last three innings and we ended up winning eight to seven. So that was definitely closer than what it needed to be. But I was worried that their hot bats would carry over into game three and, of course, they did. They come out and score 11 runs in the first inning. Um, so, you know, we just kind of had to chalk that one and prepare for game four. Uh, final score of game three was 15-3. to three. So, you know, not much. I think our bullpen pitched pretty well down the stretch. You know, giving, they only gave up four runs uh, total from after the first inning. So, uh, that was good to see. You know, we were up 2-1 to one after game three. And then uh, game four – Last night was a big one. Um, you know, Bryce Wilson really impressed me. He's a guy who, you know, he pitched once during the regular season. He's just been kind of on assignment at other sites uh, preparing and stuff. And he got, you know, the call to, to start in a postseason game, a big postseason game. Uh, you know, you and I talked about, you know, Kershaw was kind of our kryptonite. And, you know, we didn't – we could very easily see it being 2-2 two to two going into game five. But I think Wilson outdueled him. Uh, you know, he really pitched really well other than he gave up one hit to uh what's that dude's name, the DH. Rios. Rios, yeah. And uh, you know, that was a home run, the only hit he gave up, only run he gave up. And other than that, he just absolutely shoved. Um, so that was good to see. And you know, I think we played good offensively. We got the bats going again, uh, late in that game. You know, we won big ten to two. Uh so that was very good to see. Azuna got his bat going and uh at the end of the day, I think we can close it out either tonight or game six. I feel confident if it gets to game six that Freed will shove. Uh, I really like our chances with he, with him pitching against anybody. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think these are the two best teams in baseball, um, you know, regardless of who wins the series, which I'm hoping the Braves do, obviously. But regardless of who wins it, I think they'll win the World Series because I think they're the two better teams of the four that are left. Yeah, before this – Series even ends. Braves up three to one. Whoever wins the series is going to win the World Series. I just think they have the deeper lineup. Either one, I think the top line starting pitchers are better and more consistent than the AL teams. Now it could be a competitive six or seven game series, but I think the NL team is going to win. I just think that whoever it is, Braves or Dodgers, is the better team. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as the game three and game four observations, the game three, I mean, Dodgers come out, score eleven runs in the first. You know, hitting the ball over the park. I have people texting me. I'm talking to my dad and stuff, and it's just like. You know, they can score 50 runs if they want tonight. But the biggest thing is, is no matter how many runs they score, they're only going to be – it's going to make the series two to one Braves. Like, they, all it is is one game. And so, baseball is a great game, and that the next day you get to play again. And, I mean, the Dodgers got their yaws out. They were acting the fool. They were playing well on Wednesday night, and, and they, they won the game, got a, a – closed the series to two to one. But I think it was huge tonight uh, or last night in Thursday's game, Wilson – I mean, that was one of the most impressive things I've seen in the majors in quite some time. He only had one start all year. Comes in and throws six innings of one hit, one run ball. 
Really the only mistake he made was the home run Rios hit. I think he only walked one person. Uh, just pitched phenomenal, went toe-to-toe with Kershaw. And Kershaw, that was the first time he actually took a loss ever to the Braves, regular or postseason. I think he's definitely – I mean, he's still a really solid, strong pitcher. He's not really in his prime like he was the last four or five times the Braves have faced him in postseason and regular season. But um, mm-hmm. still a great pitcher. Going to be a Hall of Famer, three-time Cy Young winner. So that was really impressive. But I think tonight, really, the biggest thing was this is kind of a statement game for Braves. They were almost – it's just like, hey, we just kicked your ass and we're going to take this series, especially after the way that they um, got thumped Wednesday night pretty good. I think they were showing the Dodgers, hey, you know, we're the better team and we're going to close this thing out. Now, that doesn't mean this won't go to game six or game seven. Dodgers are still a really good team. Um, they're the team that has the pressure on them. They're the team that's supposed to win the series. They've been in NLCS for the last five years. They've been in the World Series two of the last five years. They've got all the veterans that have been there. They've got the the na- big-name pitching staff. And the Braves are kind of the guys that are just getting there, the, the young guys with the veterans like Ozuna and Freeman, and then only having a couple mm-hmm. of starting pitchers. Um, it's yeah. just the pressure's on the Dodgers. So I really think the Braves are going to close this series out. I mean, I could be wrong. Dodgers are really good, and I really wouldn't be surprised if they came back in one three in a row and closed this thing out. But I just think that the Braves have the momentum. I think the Braves are playing more consistent baseball right now. I think their bats are really going strong. I just I like the Braves to win this series, especially after the great bounce back game in game four when everything could have fallen apart. They could have stopped believing because of the way the Dodgers have been hitting the ball in game three and in the game two. So I, I'm really impressed with the game four uh, result. And because of that, I like the Braves to, to find a way to close out this series. But saying that, I hope it doesn't go to Game 7 because Game seven's anything can happen. So let's close it out in one of the next two. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and that's the thing. Kershaw really didn't pitch that bad. He actually pitched pretty well. You know, if he was pitching for the Braves, I would be happy with how he pitched. Uh, but the thing I've noticed throughout this series, I think the Braves' bullpen has pitched better than the Dodgers, and that's, you know, huge. And, you know, the Braves have struggled with bullpen pitching and starting pitching. Uh for past you know several years, that's uh, that's been one of the things they've struggled with, and I think they're you know they're finally finding it, and it's definitely showing. Uh, you know we've we've hit their bullpen guys pretty well, and you know they've kind of struggled with ours for the most part, you know, other than uh, a couple innings here and there, uh, like game two when they you know got those seven runs late. But um, but yeah, I think I think you know bullpen pitching is huge, and I think uh, that'll help us at the end of the day. But yeah, I like our chances. Uh, you know, winning three in a row is tough. What is it? I think you know teams that are up three to one in postseason have gone seventy four and thirteen or something like that all time. Yeah, they showed that at the end of the game last night. Teams in the NLCS yeah, so. get up. I'll take those odds. Yeah, I'll I'll take those odds, and I, I think we're the better team at the end of the day. Uh, so you know, if we don't win. Game five, I feel very confident in game six, like I said, with free pitching. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if it went seven, but I just hope that we close it out with one in the next two, like you said. Uh, it's game seven, you never know what can happen. Yeah, just it's impressive how they grinded out at bats and kind of wore Kershaw mm-hmm. down in that sixth inning. And it's something they had never done against them before in their career. I mean, it's yeah. impressive. So, it was fun to watch. Yeah fun to watch and hopefully we can close it out tonight and then you know look forward to the world series and you know hopefully uh maybe that other series between the astros and rays will close out tonight too so that'll be a fun thing to look forward to for sure you got anything else 
No, I think that's it. Just ready for uh, another weekend of football, and hopefully this corona stuff, they'll just fade into oblivion because I'm so tired of it. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, we got college football, NFL football, postseason baseball. It's a great time for sports, so I'm really looking forward to this weekend. For sure. All right, guys, that's all for this time. Tune in next time.